This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We'll go to Ephesians 2 and in the book of Job, chapter 23, is where we'll head this morning. Uh, Just to update you a little as you're turning to Ephesians 2 before we get going this morning, a lady who was just someone that I don't don't make this comment very often about, but who was a a spiritual mother to me, uh, Ms. Carolyn Pertuz, she went to be home with Jesus the other day. She's in heaven now, and so her daughter, Lori, Lori, why don't you raise your hand? Lori's here today. So glad to see her. Let me just say this about Lori. Lori, man, she, she was incredible for the last over two months that her mama was at home and passed away at their home. And man, I, I, I don't know that I've ever witnessed anyone love their mother and be good to them until the end. But uh, Carolyn's memorial service will be Friday night at 6 at Lake Ridge, Lake Ridge Chapel at 82nd and Iola. So we welcome you to celebrate that. It's a good thing. It's a great thing. You know, some of you may say, well, I've never experienced death that way. Well, I believe every one of us can. It was very, very peaceful and sweet and just the goodness of God upon it. All right, you saw up there, we're, we're starting a new series today on the wilderness uh, this may be one of those ones that come December, we still may be on it. I don't know that for sure, but I, I've got notes, and every time something's read in the Bible, I thought, oh my gosh, this will fit within us. And so to begin here, the word wilderness means desolate, barren, even a desert. Oftentimes we think of the wilderness up in the mountains and trees and stuff, but that's not what it means. So when you hear it's a desolate or barren place, It's a place that we really don't want to go to, but the truth of the matter is you're going to be in in wilderness experiences a lot more than you're not going to be in wilderness experiences. I believe that with all of my heart. The longer I go in this walk with Christ, and I don't say that as a punishment, okay? And that's what we're going to get in here this morning, just about to a degree what the wilderness is. But with every spiritual promotion... First must come the preparation for that level. And so God's wanting to promote us. But there's a season of preparation that it takes to get us in that place where we can follow God. So we begin in Ephesians 2, verse number 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith. Now, grace again, it describes the undeserved kindness by which salvation is given. By grace, the grace of God through faith. Look what he says. And that is not of yourself. It's the gift of God. Now I want you to think about that just for a second. Salvation is the gift of God. Think about the area as a gift. If it's a gift, you just receive it. You don't do anything to get it. You just receive it. Verse 9, not of works, not the result of works, least anyone should boast. So literally what he's telling us here is that God is not only our maker, God is the one who saves us. And the reason he does all that is because we can't take credit for any of it. It's a God thing. 
It's all Father God. Now, when I read that here, that we're saved by grace through faith, watch what happens when we get born again and receive Jesus as Lord of our life. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, his own handiwork, his own masterpiece. We're his work of art that he manufactured in us, created in Christ Jesus. Now, when I look at this right here, why did he do all this? For good works. That God wants to move in your life for good works. For the people you're around, for the church, to impact heaven. God saved you and you became his workmanship for, uh, for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. So literally what happens is when you give your heart to Jesus, Father God comes back into your life and he begins to renovate you so that the good works are a possibility. So this is God's desire for every one of us and to get us in that place so we serve God and we live for him all the days of our life. Now, turn with me to the book of Job chapter 23. Job chapter 23. That's right before the the Psalms. And you know, when you you get here to set the table with a little bit of this, in Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1, it says, To every season there's a purpose, there's an activity. Every season has a purpose. And to walk in the purposes of God, God's going to prune you, God's going to strengthen you, and there's going to be a preparation. Now, every one of us, when you think about the word seasons, they're cycles. To help us in this today, to to walk in the cycles that, that God has for us, it's not only God's timing, but it's God's process on how he does it. Have you found out about God? God's got a timing, and his timing's not only on, not only on my watch. He's got a, a process that's not on my watch. And so this is some of the stuff he's talking about. Now, as we go here to Job 23, this man named Job, he loved God. It specifically says in Job 1 that, that he was incredible. There was no one like him on the earth. He had abundance of everything. And then in one day... He loses everything. He loses his children. He he loses his oxen, his sheep, his camels, everything he's got. And it gets so bad that his own wife says to him, why don't you curse God and die? And so you begin to get a little bit of an insight right here that this guy named Job He's in a pretty desolate area. He's in a wilderness experience. So I believe right here in Job 23, starting in verse 1, we can learn some things. Verse 1. Then Job answered and said, even today, my complaint is bitter or it's still bitter. Man, my complaint. My hand is listless or weary because of my groaning. One translation says, I try hard not to groan out loud. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come to his seat. So what he's talking about here, he's saying, only if I could find God. I don't know where he's at. 
And so when I look at this, I've had these type of experiences in my own life. And maybe this will help you a little bit too, but I've had seasons in my life where Father God was just a whisper away. I could just, just whisper to Father God and he was there. But there were also seasons in my life where I would pray and I would pray and it was almost like my, my life was on a roller coaster. God was nowhere to be found. And it's like Job right here. And I believe there's times in our wilderness's experiences, it's the way the Lord says, I've really, really, really wanted to talk to you, but you don't ever give me the time. You don't slow down enough to hear me, to listen to me. And I believe this is where God's got him right now to say, I want you to talk. I want to talk to you. Verse 4. I would present my case before him, and I would fill my mouth with arguments. Have you ever wanted to argue with God? I have. I would know the words which he would answer me or reply and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend or plead with me in his great power? No, but he would take note of me. He would give me a fair hearing. The upright could reason with him. And I would be delivered forever from my judge. I would be acquitted. And it's like he's saying, if I only knew why this was happening. Everything, it seems like it's so wrong. Everything is out of order. Have you ever been there? I've been there. And this is where he's at. Verse 8. Look, I go forward to the east, but he's not there. And backward to the west, but I cannot perceive or I cannot find him. When he works on the left hand or the north, I cannot behold him because he's hidden. When he turns to the right hand the south, I cannot see him because he's concealed. This is the wilderness. It's almost like everywhere he's looking in his life, every dream, I can't find him. I can't find God. Now watch real close at this in verse 10 because it begins to explain some things. But he knows the way that I take. God knows the way that I'm going to take. When he tested me, when he tried me, I shall come forth as gold. So you know what he's telling us there? That he's going through this test of life. And he says, when I come out of this test, it'll be like I've been tested in gold. Now, it's interesting the word tested there. It literally means to be tried. The Lord Jesus said in John 16, 33, he said, in this world, you will have tribulations. You will have troubles. You will have tests. And so again, I'm not exempt from troubles and tests and tries. And this is what he's saying. So when you look at what Job's saying here, the trouble or the testing was a place in his life where God says, I want to shape you. And understand this this morning. Trouble is not necessarily a sign of sin in your life or failure in your life. 
Rather, it's a season that God wants to grow you. And anytime you get in these seasons, God's preparing you. God wants to move you to a new level. In Psalm 64, it says, he's the potter, we're the clay. God wants to mold on you a little more. And so a lot of times when we get in this area of the wilderness, we have the thought, God's doing this to punish me. No, he's not doing that to punish you. He's doing that to prepare you. Now, I wish I could tell every one of us in here that we're all going to be exempt. We're not. You're going to go through this. And the seasons of going through the wilderness, I wish we could just lay hands on each other and pray and get us. That's not how it's going to be. Now, pay close attention to verse 11 and 12. Job says, my foot has fell fast to his steps. I I held fast to God's steps. In other words, I stayed on God's path. I have kept his way and not turned aside. I've followed very closely. I have not departed from the commandment of his lips. I've obeyed. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Now, the reason I said you got to hone into this right here is this. He's in one of the worst times of his life. He's in a wilderness experience. And so there's a learning nugget for us. When I'm in the wilderness, that's the greatest time to stay on God's path. Stay on God's hip. Stay with God's word. Treasure God's word in this time. Because oftentimes when we get in wilderness experience or it seems like the rug has been pulled out from under us in life, we get away from the things of God. The wilderness experience is a place to gravitate toward God. Now, you may be going through a wilderness experience right now. But if you're not in a wilderness experience, just hang around in life for a while because you're getting ready to go there. It's not if, it's when. Turn with me to the book of of Psalms chapter 34. Right back to your right. Right to your right and we'll come into Psalms 34. Now, as you turn there, I don't want you to get to think that the wilderness experience is a negative place. It's not a negative place. It's a place of growing. And one thing I want to highlight to you about the wilderness I found. It's my attitude in the wilderness and how I view the wilderness that'll set me apart. You're going to be in it. So be careful your attitude in it and how you view it. Now, this is a passage of King David. For the next however weeks, months we go on this. I'm going to begin to use him back and forth exclusively. It's incredible how many years David was in wilderness experiences. So let me give you a little illustration of that. When he's 17, Samuel anointed him to be the next king. But he didn't walk in that till he was a little bit over 30. So for the next uh, 13 years, what do you think he did? He didn't sit around the pool sunbathing, I can promise you. He began to walk through wilderness experiences, one right after the other. So the upcoming week, we're going to take a lot of these, not only to show you what David went through, but how David handled what he went through. Now, this is one of his psalms right here. Begin with me, Psalm 34, verse 17. The righteous cry out. The righteous cry out. 
two things immediately off that statement. Number one, the best way I can describe righteous is I found a translation that says the righteous are the ones that are repentant of sin. So again, it is not declaring a perfect person. It's someone that confesses their sin. The second area that I want to point out is it says the righteous cry out. Why would the righteous cry out? Because David is beginning to tell us you're going to go through some things. So it says the righteous cries out and the Lord hears. And the Lord delivers them out of all their troubles. So as I read this, who do you call out in your troubles? Who do you call out to? Do you call out to God in your troubles? Because I revert all the way back to the Lord Jesus in John 16, when he said, in this world, you will have tribulations. You will have trouble. So it's not if I'm going to go through them. It's when I am going through them. Who do you call out to? God must love to hear the cries of the righteous. Verse 18. The Lord is near to those who are broken heart. Literally, that's every one of us. Every one of us in this room are nothing more than broken vessels. And he saves such as have a contrite or a crushed spirit. So if you're in here today and you're broken hearted or you got a crushed spirit, good news. You're a magnet to God right now. God loves you. God cares about you. Now watch this in verse number 19. Ooh, you may want to underline this one. Many, not a few, many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions, the mishaps, the evils, the troubles of the righteous. Actually, that verse is cross-referenced into Proverbs 24, 16, which says, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up. That's the key. Some of you in here today, you need to get back up. You need to start running again. Some of you in this room need to quit whining and complaining. You need to get back up. It's a day to get back up. It's not if you're going to have afflictions. You're going to have afflictions. This tells us many are the afflictions of the righteous, but listen to this. But the Lord delivers him out of them all. Greatness is a product of challenges. And many believers go through the very notion that a believer's life is going to be a charmed life. It's going to be void of trouble, void of tribulations. There's not going to be any suffering. If someone told that to you or preached that to you, they lied. So better stated here, put aside that even if you're good, even if you're yielded, even if you're this great saint, you're going to be exempt from afflictions. You're not. You're going to go through them, and this is what he tells us. So why does God put us through all those? Because God's desire is to elevate you. God's desire is to promote you. And what happens in this thing called life is you never know what's really in you until you get squeezed. If your life was always Twinkies and donuts, it's easy. But when life starts getting hard and hardship, guess what? You find out what's in you. When life squeezes me, 
And so God takes us in this area of wilderness not to punish us, but to elevate us. Now this passage right here in Psalms, it cross-references into 2 Timothy 3. Go there with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy 3. Now as you're turning there, the author of 2 Timothy is the Apostle Paul. I look at the Apostle Paul's life and this guy went through incredible stuff. I mean, he went through incredible hardships over and over and over again. Now let's see what we can learn by his comments on this. 2 Timothy 3 verse 10. But you have carefully followed my doctrine. You have carefully observed and diligently followed the teachings of the word of God. This must be very important because if we go back to Job 23, verse 11 and 12, remember that's what Job talked about. He talked about the word of God, how he treasured the word of God. Let me ask you something. Do you treasure the word of God? Do you tre- is the word of God an app? They're like, man, man I, I got to have the word of God today. So one of the first things he says is, man, you, you got to carefully observe the word. And then he says, the manner of life, my behaviors, the way I lived, And my purpose, you know what Paul's purpose was? The cause of Jesus Christ. And then he says, you're going to have to get faith. You're going to have to get long-suffering. You're going to have to come to know love. You're going to have to come to own perseverance, which is endurance. And the ultimate goal in every one of these that he mentioned is to grow. God wants us to grow in these. Verse 11, now watch these two first words persecutions, and your afflictions. And when I read those, you know what I'd like to say to Paul? Shut up. Persecutions and afflictions? That's why I got born again. But it's interesting. He throws these in here and he says, persecutions and afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, And they happened to me again at Iconium. And they happened to me again at Lystra. And this is why I said, I believe you're going to go through many wilderness experiences. It wasn't God's punishment for his life. But literally it was saying, Paul, through these we're going to find out really what's on the inside of you. Now watch this truth at the end of verse 11. This is a good one. And out out of them all... The Lord delivered me. Out of every one of them, the Lord delivered me. He rescued me. So guess what this shows? You know what Paul did? He didn't quit. He didn't give up. And he said, on all the church stuff. I don't believe any of that junk anymore. No, he stayed with it. He stayed, And this is what he's speaking to us. And there's a warning to us. These are some things we're going to go through. Verse 12. Yes, a matter of fact. Oh boy. All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus, you will suffer persecution. Maybe you want to underline that. You serve Christ Jesus you're going to get persecuted. Who do you think is going to persecute you? 
other people are going to come after you. And it's just a strong warning. But understand, when he says this, this, this area of our life is a destination to grow us. You know what I found out about Paul when he says you're going to be persecuted? Here's the nugget off of that. Do you live to please God or do you live to please people? And you know what he began to work in, Paul? Why are you doing this? Who are you really doing this for? Are, are you sold out to me, Father God, or are you sold out to people? And so Paul right here, he begins to give us great warnings. And so again, when I said this journey into the wilderness is going to happen more and more, and I'm just warning you, there is no Google map for shortcuts. There is no detours. And so when you get in these things that he's talking about, remember, how do I view what's taking place and what's my attitude in taking place here? Because God sees every bit of it. This is the last scripture we're going to go to this morning. Romans chapter 5. As you're turning to Romans 5, the apostle Paul is the writer of this. I'm just going to tell you right now. Let let this passage really soak in you today. This, This will give you some insight on why you may be walking in the wilderness right now. Now let me help you a little bit. Do you know the Lord Jesus had a wilderness experience? We'll get in this in the upcoming weeks. The Lord Jesus himself was in the wilderness for 40 days. So if the Lord Jesus had a wilderness experience, we're going to have wilderness experiences. I don't want you to view this as negative, okay? I, I wish I would have known this stuff 30 years ago. Because there were times in my life I would get in wilderness situations and I was like, Father God, where are you at? It almost felt like God deserted me. But you know what it really was? God was trying to get my appetite to gravitate toward him. You know why God does it? God wants a fellowship with you. God wants to meet with you. He wants to hang out with you. But too many times we're so stinking busy. God wants to talk to you, but I don't want to listen. And so guess what God does? He said, I got to pull him into the wilderness where it's desolate and barren because I want to talk to him. I want to fellowship with you. I want to tell you what's on my heart. I want to tell you the plans I have because you're my workmanship. Romans 5, verse 1. Therefore, having been justified or acquitted by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, oftentimes when we read that, we think we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. So if I got peace, that means there's not going to be anything bad. That that doesn't mean that. I can have peace while still walking through problems because you don't want to know God's going to deliver me out of every one of those. So again, don't think just because he says peace, peace. That's not what he's talking about. The peace he's talking about is a peace on the inside. That's pretty good, wasn't it? Verse 2, through whom also the Lord Jesus, we have access by faith into his grace. So literally when we see this, the whole Christian life is the result of God's grace. Now in this situation, he said, in whom we have access into his grace. For what? Now watch this, watch this, watch the grace here. In which we stand. 
That word stand there literally means to endure successfully. So the way I'm going to stand, it's going to be by his grace. And you know what he's saying? That grace there is so you endure successfully. Not that you just endure. God wants to get you to where his plans and his purposes are for your life. So he goes on to say, in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Man, I, I can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Rejoice that what God said he'll do, he's ultimately going to fulfill it. Maybe not on my time clock, but he's going to do it. Get ready. Verse 3. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations. And you know what I'd like to tell Paul on that one? Shut up. The audacity in the word of God to tell me and you to glory in tribulations, to glory in trouble. Now, have you ever read that? It's incredible to think of that. He said, you ought to rejoice when trouble shows up. Again, I look at this, and it's not just how I view it, but it's my attitude when I walk in this. And so when he says to glory in tribulations, why do I glory in tribulations? Watch. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance. What's perseverance? It's endurance. You know what endurance is? It means you're in for the long haul. And he's working something in you that when life comes at you and life's going to come at you, you don't quit. You don't quit, give up. See, the kingdom of God, you're not a sprinter. You're a marathon man. You're in it for the long haul. And he says right here, tribulation produces endurance. The only way in the Bible I can find that you get endurance is through tribulation. I hate to tell you that, but that's the fact, Jack. That's the only way it's going to come. And so when I look at the end of the Apostle Paul's life, when I look at the end of Caroline Pertusa's life, I ran the race that was set before me. I ran with endurance. We need endurance. Now listen real close. The word tribulation right there. It's an Old Testament word meaning, it means threshing. If you were to look at the word threshing, they would thresh the grain. What that literally meant is they would take the outer shell and what they were after was the grain or the fruit. And so when tribulation comes, you know what God's doing? He's breaking down this outer shell and he's wanting to get into the fruit, the grain, the meat, the real you. Thank you. Thank you for you three today, man. Thank you so much. Again, whether you like it or not, you're going to go through some threshing. But think about this. If the only way God can get to the grain, the real me, is through threshing. Oh, Lord, I welcome it. I kind of shake when I say that. I welcome it, Lord. I welcome it kind of, sort of, but not really. But yet the apostle Paul tells us this. And I'm like, Lord, you're really going to have to grace me. Grace me. Keep reading. And perseverance, endurance, 
produces character. Approved faith. Tried integrity. And so God's wanting to, to work something within us right here when he says approved faith and tried integrity. And so anytime God is building endurance in me, you're in the wilderness. Anytime God is building character in you, approved faith and tried integrity, you're in the wilderness. See, you really don't know the integrity that's in you until something's put before you. And when something's put before you, you find out real quick, am I really a man or woman of integrity? And what I found out with Father God, you may flunk the test. And you may flunk the test again. You may flunk the test 50 times in a row. And finally you get to a place where you think, well, God's just got to pass me. I'm 50 years old and I'm still flunking. Uh Uh-uh. No free passes with God. Could it be some of the reasons some of us are in the wilderness for such a long, prolonged period of time is you never pass the test? That hurt, Pastor. I've been in the wilderness. I understand. I was in the wilderness one time for 19 years. 19 years. And for the first 14 or 15 years, I'd get so mad. I'd say, where are you at? You've got me on hold, Father God. Look, I'm ready to go. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, get back in the oven. You're not ready. You got to cook some more, dude. Perseverance produces character. And character, hope. And when you see the word hope, hope is rooted in expectation and fulfillment. That my hope is based on God's word. That God's going to do precisely what he said it is. And my hope is that he said that you're my workmanship and I've got purposes for you. I've got plans for you. But I've got to work these other things in here. But don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Verse 5. Now, hope does not disappoint. The word disappoint literally means to undo. When I hold fast to the hope that God's going to do what he's going to do, instead of disappoint, it appoints. That I walk in the appointment that God has for me. So I just keep hoping. I just keep hanging on to the promises of God. Father God, you said, you said, you said, you said. And so when you look at all this right here, the wilderness experience will do one of two things. It'll either make you bitter or it'll make you better. And I don't know if you've ever really dissected those two words, bitter and better. But the word that really hurts me is that I in the word bitter. Because when that I is allowed to come into my life I mix that in the area of trouble and tribulation and I'm going to be hard, I'm going to be bitter, I'm going to be critical, I'm going to be cynical because the I ego gets in the way and when the I ego gets in the way, it distorts what God wants to do in your life. So literally part of the wilderness experience is to knock that I right out of you. God says, I got to get you out and I got to get me in. In other words, that old man's got to die and that new man's got to come alive. You know, there's only one person that can stop the will of God, the purpose of God, the move of God in your life, and it's not the devil. It's you. 
It's you. When I get mad at God and I begin to give up. So every one of us are going to go to these wilderness places. Now understand this today. You're complete in Christ. You are complete in Christ Jesus. But I'm still growing in Christ. I'm becoming more and more like him. So every time he sends me to the wilderness, you know what that is? To conform me to be more and more like Christ. So I'm continually growing. That's the purpose of the wilderness is to get you to grow. The wilderness is a place of promotion. Now write this one down right here. Difficulties mastered are opportunities won. What did he say, Martha? <laughs> Difficulties mastered are opportunities won. Turn it around a little. If the difficulty is never mastered, you'll never walk in the opportunity. And understand this, every one of us in here is going to have one of these what's going on moments, God. What's going on? But can I tell you this right now? God is more interested in your spiritual life than your material possessions. God says, I want to grow you here. I, I really don't care what you drive. I really don't care what you're I really don't care that you got Ray-Ban in your car. I really, God's more concerned about your heart. So God says, I'm going to move you into the wilderness. Why? Ooh, he's, he's got big things. And I realize in here I've got a wide a range of, of ages in here. But even you young ones that are teenagers... God started with King David and he started with Joseph when they were in their teenage years. Whether you realize it or not right now, teenagers, God's moving an area of your life. And the quicker you learn these things, the quicker you get out of them. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, David was assigned to keep care of the sheep. To keep care of the sheep wasn't real prestigious. It wasn't like a lot of people were signing up for that job. They weren't. But what I found out in this life, what you do in the private will promote you to the public. And if you fail in the private, you'll never get to the public. What do you mean by that, Pastor? When you do only things because mom and daddy are watching you, and when they're not around, you go behind their back. You flunk the test. You're going to stay out there with those sheep. Bah. <laughs> Why not you stand on your feet before I get real ornery? <laughs> See, the sad thing about it is when you're 50 years old and you're still babysitting sheep. And it's a result of people in their public or their private life never were disciplined enough to allow that the endurance of God, the character of God to begin to shape us. And so God said, I, I want to raise the level today in here. I want, I, want to, I want to bless my kids today. And you may be in here today and you may be one that says, God seems so far away. What would happen if we said, Lord, draw me closer. 
draw me deeper than I've ever been before. The upcoming weeks, I'm going to get on this. In Luke 10, the Lord said to these two ladies, Mary and Martha, He said, Mary's chosen the right thing to sit at my feet and hear the word. To sit at my, you know what it was? To sit at the feet of Jesus is to say, Lord, I just want to fellowship with you. I, I, I want to hang out with you. I, I want to know your voice. I, I want to know you like Obadiah and Zephaniah. And I want to know, I, I, I don't want to know things. I want to know you. And when I live that way, that's what God gravitates. He looks for people and says, I just want to hang out with you, Father God. So maybe today you're here and you say, hey, Pastor, I need endurance. Welcome to the NFL. Who doesn't? Pastor, I need need character. I I need that character rooted in me, that integrity and, and the power of faith in the Word of God. I need hope stirred back up. Well, beginning point is this. If you've never received Jesus as Lord of your life, he can't be your workmanship. He can't move you in that area until you say, Lord, I'm a child of God today. I welcome you. And then, man, when you come in there, he says, that's my workmanship. That's my boy. That's my girl. Who have at me, Father. You're the potter. I'm the clay. Now, listen, just with every head bowed right now, let's go back to, to, to point one. Do you know Jesus is Lord? And I mean this when I say that. Not just that you confess Jesus with your mouth and you believe in your heart that he's the son of God. That's part of it. But I'm I'm extremely misleading you if I don't tell you you need to repent from your sins. You need to repent from your sins and say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. You know what I found out in the Bible? God will do that. His desire that none perish. And so if you've never done that, you know you are. Maybe you've said a little, bless me, pray, oh, Lord, bless me. I want to go to heaven. I need a little fire insurance. But it wasn't anything that gripped your heart. It wasn't a change that said, I, I don't want to live as a sinner anymore. I, I'll tell you the truth. I love you enough to tell you. You need to get born again today. that's you today, I I welcome you to come. I I welcome you to come. Just walk down and say, that's me today, Pastor. That's me. I I need Jesus in my heart. Well, I'll take it that everybody's born again. What if we go a little farther today? Where your prayer is just what we talked about. Man, I got afflictions. I got pain. I got this happening. Things are going on in my life. Trouble's coming. Trouble. And God wants to work some endurance in you. God wants to work some blessing in you. He wants to work some, some character in you. He wants to work some hope in you. I'm going to have him sing this today. And like I said earlier, I wish I had known this 30 years ago. Because when I get in these situations now, you know what I realize? God, you're wanting to promote me. But in order to promote me to that next spiritual level, you've got to purge me. 
me say this before we sing. I said this about six weeks ago. That God started working within me. And I said, I said to Shelly, and, and I think I said it even from the pulpit. Right now in my life, it's the holiest I've ever lived. Am I perfect? Far from it. God started working in me. He started purging and he started pruning. And he started clipping on me. He'll work on me on TV and I'll just, he just cut that off. And now that I realize what God's doing, you know what I say, man, Lord, I welcome it. I view that God's saying, I want to promote you. And we have this thought when God wants to promote, he just gets you a pogo stick and you just doing and jump off. That's not how it happens. I wish that's how, I wish that Felix could lay hands on me and say, in Jesus' name, that's not how it works. And it's only going to happen through perseverance, character, hope by the grace of God that we stand. And so as they sing that, I welcome you to come down here and just before the Lord say, Lord, I need you. I need you. Go ahead, guys, sing. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.